Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Syracuse Basketball Post Game, presented by Kraus Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for SU Athletics. A buzzer beater at the Dome. It was technically a quad two win for Syracuse, but in a way it was a quad three win as Quadir Copeland hits the corner three-pointer <laughs> to lift Syracuse to the 72-69 victory. The Orange remain undefeated at the JMA Wireless Dome this year. They're now 13-5 and overall, 4-3 and on the season in ACC play. We're going to get some locker room reaction coming up. We're going to get some reaction from our Syracuse sports insiders, some of which are at the Dome or wherever you were watching today. And, Mike, uh, the buzzer beater by Quadir Copeland. I mean, if you're going to pick somebody on that team to hit a buzzer-beating three-point shot, not going to lie, Quadir Copeland's not at the top of my list, but he hit it. It was his 1-3 of the day. He was open. It was there. And what a moment. One of the great moments of this season so far. And kind of added to some recent buzzer beaters at the Dome in recent years. John Gillens comes to mind, of course, uh, in the past few years. And uh, an exciting day for sure. And, Mike, it was, a, it was a day where we're kind of looking at each other through the game. Like, how are they still in this thing? You know, Miami was dominating in the paint. Syracuse hanging in there by hitting some threes and just making some stops when need be. It was a, a an incredible, you know, four or five minute stretch down the last few minutes of the game and uh, turned into a heck of a day at the uh, old JMA Wireless Dome. It sure was an, an incredible finish. And, you know, we're talking about Quadir Copeland being the guy to make the three. I mean, you know, you figure that when Syracuse goes into that timeout huddle with 18 seconds to go in the score tie, and Adrian Autry's looking at his guys, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be happy if Judah has the ball in his hands and maybe can drive. Or I, I got Chris Bell and J.J. Starling, and within the last couple of minutes, both of them have made multiple threes, and they brought us back. And I'm okay if if Judah dishes to either Chris or, or J.J. for a three. That'll be great. Hey, listen, if, if Judah drives and draws a big man to him and yeah. he wants to dish it off to Malik Brown, I'm happy with that too. And Quadir's going to be on the floor. <laughs> yeah, and Mike, he's been hitting, not not hitting a lot of these, but Quadir's been taking more threes. He's been more yes. confident there. I yes. even turned to you during the game. I'm like, are they telling him to shoot more? And you're like, I don't think so. But they certainly did in that spot. And you brought up J.J. Starling. What a day for him. 22 points, 6 of 10 from three-point range for him. Second straight game, Mike, that we've seen this this resurgence here for, from J.J., the confidence that has been there offensively. I mean, he saved their skin in this game uh, when it was kind of, you know, the rest of the offense wasn't flowing in there. And this is, I think, the J.J. Starling people had in mind when he transferred back to Syracuse. We've seen flashes of it this year. He had 21 points against Georgetown. It's not like, you know, he just showed up here at the end of January, but, man, what a game for him. And, Mike, what did you see from J.J. and, and to enable him to do that? And uh, did you get a chance to talk to him after the game and, and what he said about that? I did talk to J.J. after the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, it, this seems like his confidence has come back. You know, the struggles from three-point range were so drastic early in the season. And, you know, they were, we were talking about whether his shoulder was right, is it healthy coming off the injury last year at Notre Dame. Um, but – He's played really well these last two games. And one, he's getting good shots. These are open threes that he's taking. But the more you make, you, you, your confidence grows. You know, what I liked uh, at Pitt, and, and you know, he did it a little bit today, is he's got that mid-strange jumper working now, too, uh, which I think is a really nice shot for him. Yes. When the three isn't yeah. going down. But today, you know, to make six threes, 
he shot the ball the way he did when he was a sophomore at Baldwinsville High School, which is really until this season, the last time I've seen him, you know, more than like here or there. You know, I watched him on at Notre Dame last year, but didn't get to see him a lot. Um, so, you know, he, he talked about like, you know, he is more confident and he felt good about it and coming off the Pittsburgh game, which was a good game for him. You know, this 22 points uh, today against Miami, that's a season high. And it's only one off his career high. He had 23 points in a game last year at Notre Dame against Bowling Green. Uh, Bowling Green ain't Miami. Uh, right. to, to, yeah. To, yeah, to score 22 in this game. And, and he hit late threes, too. He and Chris Bell, I think, alternated there in about the final three or four minutes. It was Chris Bell made a clutch three. J.J. made a three. Chris made another three. J.J. made another three. The two of them were working off each other. And, and give credit to Judah Mintz. You know, for a guy who early in the year I think was taking the ball to basket and and not thinking about dishing, uh, he, boy, was he uh, he really played the role of the playmaker today. Thirteen assists, a career high, and he was looking for those shooters. And of course, it helps your assist numbers if those guys make those shots. But you get guys good shots and they make them, and your That's assist it. totals go crazy. Yeah. That's what he's been doing, and I, I feel like Judah and Adrian Autry said after this the game that the, these last two games he felt have been Judah's best games of the year because that's what we're seeing. More overall, more patience, spreading things around. 13 assists speaks for itself, and you get good assists when you get guys in good positions to to make those buckets. I mean, Quadier's three was open, and he was just finding those players in the right spots, and Judah has tended to feel like he's got to be the offense. He's got to take over. He's the guy, right? But I think he's starting to see now that being a leader means doing more of these things. He's been a great rebounder in the last two games as well. That has not been by accident. He's been, you know, told to kind of get after it, and he has – he kind of has mentioned a couple of times that he likes to get in there and rebound and, and facilitate the offense in that way. So he deserves a big shout out. And Malik Brown, Mike, uh, there was one play in particular. Now, when you look at his numbers, he had 10 points and 11 rebounds. That's not a surprise to hear him getting the rebounds, mixing mm-hmm. it up in the paint. Of course, Miami today was missing you know, their big player in the paint. We learned that just before the game started, that they weren't going to have a key guy inside. So Syracuse had to take advantage of that. But there was a tip play that Malik had that it just seemed to wake up this team. Like they were not that they weren't playing hard before that, but there's certain plays that just kind of charge you up a little bit. I feel like that got him going there. And then you look at the box score at the end. You're like, yeah, that makes uh, sense for what Malik Brown is, is asked to do. Yeah. And I'm looking for that play. I, I can't find exactly where it was, but um, I, I do know it was in the second half. Uh, there was a missed shot. And it was kind of like a loose ball scramble, and he just dove between and just yeah. out, out dove two Miami guys, and barely flicked the ball back, and, and, and you know saved the possession. And Syracuse was able to set it up again. And for the life of me, I'm going to find that. Oh, um, I think I found it here. Uh, it wound up being a a, a corner uh, three pointer for yeah. for JJ Starling, and it tied the game. It was about 39-39. So relatively about midway through the, through the second half. But in a game where neither team took a huge lead, I, I think Syracuse's biggest lead of the entire game is three, which is the final margin. Uh, you know, Miami led by eight in the first half, and I, you know, they got it up to seven uh, with about six minutes to go in the second half. And it's seven points in this game felt like a really big lead. Uh, and Syracuse battled back. But, but to get the ball, to, to save every possession seemed to be so important. You know, today. And when Malik makes a play like he did on that one, where he's, you know, just stretches out, dives into to like tap the ball back to a teammate, 
you know, plays like that, you know, that boy, and I get a game that ends up on a final possession play. You look back and every single little play just mattered so much. It really did. And I asked Adrian Autry about this after the game, Mike. I'm curious with your opinion. You got a young team here that's kind of finding its way through ACC play. And there's just stuff you can't work on in practice. And what we saw at the end of this game is that, right? Like you can call a play in a huddle, and Autry mentioned how crucial it was to have timeouts in these situations so you can gather up and say, this is what I want you to do. He joked when he walked in. I'm going to play the clip a little later here. That's exactly how I drew it up, right? Which is not exactly how he drew up that play. But a team like that has to know how to react, how to improvise. And this team, Mike, nothing shakes these guys, which surprises me given how young they are. They've been in some tight spots this year, and they just find a way through it. And Autry stressed you know, what coaches would say. He stressed about being together and playing together. But it's impressive what this team does in those tight spots because you can't teach that. That's something that those lessons that you stress every day shine through in those moments. So, look, this team has had its ups and downs this year. It's had some situations off the court, notably with Benny Williams, and every team has ups and downs. Judah Mintz, of course, didn't start a game. You're going to go through stuff in four months when you're dealing with 18- to 23-year-old kids. But this was a big test of what you do in a tight spot, and they pass with flying colors. They sure did. And, and we have said many times, this is a young team. And in some respects, they, they are, especially at the college level. I mean, they're starting five sophomores. However, I mean, some of these guys did get some experience last year. And when you talk about, like, knowing what to do in a tight moment, I mean, the one thing is, is like, you know, it, it, they're going to be inexperienced in certain situations. But in terms of, like, knowing what to do in an end game situation, we need to remember this. Judah Men's played at Oak Hill Academy. Mm-hmm. Quadir Copeland played at IMG. Uh, Chris Bell went to prolific prep. Uh, you know, go, go on down the list. Uh, you know, J.J. Starling played at La Lumiere. These are like the best high school prep programs in the country. These guys have traveled the country as high schoolers. They've played in the showcase events. They've played against the best competition at the high school level that there is in the country. So if you get their confidence up, It'll stay there because these guys, they, they, they think they're good. They've, they've played the best. They're not going to get be uh, coward. Uh, you know, I mean, like as a C-O-W-E-R-E-D, not, not, right. like a, yeah. not a scary cat, but um, they're not going to be cowed by a big situation. So when Adrian Autry brings those guys into the huddle with 18 seconds to go, they're not, you know, nerves are, are something for fans uh, at that point. The, these kids um, and they are still kids, but they've played in that big moment. They've been in a spotlight, maybe not quite as big as this one. Uh, but, you know, when you're at Oak Hill Academy or Prolific Prep or La Lu, uh, you're, you're, you're playing in big time games, at least That's for a great that point. level. Yeah. Michael, thank you. Good stuff as always. Uh, 9-0, and or is it 10-0? and Undefeated at home for Syracuse this year. And they, this was the start of three straight in a row at the Dome. So if they can keep banking these wins... It's going to be interesting to see what this team does as February looms, and it's really getting in here in ACC play. But an impressive game today, and we'll be looking for all your coverage and uh, Donna DeToto's coverage as well on Syracuse.com from this one and through the weekend. And we will uh, talk to you again soon, my friend. Sounds good, Brent. You have a good weekend, and Bills by a billion. That's right. Go Bills, baby. <laughs> Mike Waters, my Bills texting buddy uh, during Buffalo Bills uh, playoff games. We, we, should, we should do like a live thread 
on that when Mike and I are texting back and forth uh, during Buffalo Bills games. That's quite a thing. So before we hear from our Syracuse sports insiders, because you guys had a ton to say during this game for sure, let's hear from uh, J.J. Starling. Let's hear from Judah Mintz. Let's hear from Coach Autry and Quadier Copeland and some things that they said in the locker room, starting with Autry, just how he drew it up, right? That was the play that I drew up. They ran exactly the way I told them. They came right out and said, Judah, get everybody to uh, get them to leave quite and throw it across. But, uh, no, it was, a, it was a great game. It was an exciting game. Um, we knew it was going to be a back-and-forth game. You know, we just talked about, uh, you know, not letting the runs get too big. Um, hence, and... Miami went on some runs, but Syracuse matched what they did, especially in the last four or five minutes of the game. There was a real tit-for-tat, a real back-and-forth. Syracuse would hit it. Let me see if I can pull up the sequence here as we were tracking it during the game. So Bell hits a three. J.J. hits a three. It's 59-59. Joseph responds from Miami. Bell responds. It's tied at 62. Malik, we mentioned that great tip play that he had that led to a three-pointer. He had a amazing follow-up dunk that made it 64-62, lit up the JMA Wireless Dome. Then George, who was big for Miami down the stretch. Chris Bell could not guard him. Autry had to change in Kyle Cuff, which ended up being a key defensive substitution in the last few minutes of the game because Chris Bell, who did some good things today, don't get me wrong, defensively, though, just could not match up with him. He scores. Quadir scores. 66-64. George again. Ties it up at 66. J.J. hits a three. Now it's 69-66. George goes down and hits a three. I believe this was the one where the bank was open. He had a couple of threes, and one of them he just banked right off the glass. Now it's 69-69. to And you had the defensive switch with Kyle Cuff that we mentioned. And then, of course, it set up the last shot, the big one, for Quadier Copeland to cash in there. So uh, no offense, Coach Autry, but... Uh, to use that great Ron Burgundy meme, I don't believe you that that's the play that you drew up in the huddle. That's what I just said to Mike. You have to improvise. You have to find the right spot. You don't need a three in that moment. Judah could have just, you know, drove in the paint, tried to play hero, and put up an off-balance or bad shot, but Quadir was open. That was the shot. If you miss it, so what? You go to overtime. You always go for those at home, and bang. Syracuse with a great moment and a great uh, game at the Dome today. Despite the fact, when you look at the numbers here, I mean, Miami throttled Syracuse in the paint, 38-22. to But here you have two games in a row where Syracuse has been hot from the three-point line. We've talked about this, that if Syracuse is going to win games in ACC play, where you have to punch up quad two games, quad one games, like you had today, you got to shoot the three. And Syracuse has found itself shooting threes, 12-32 of 32 today. And by the way, they're doing it without Justin Taylor, who had another tough game for Syracuse. He's kind of the odd man out on this team right now. Just two points on the day for him. He was 0 for 4 from three-point range. A couple more from the locker room. Here's Judah Mintz on what he saw in the setup for that last shot for quiet. Yeah, I mean, just trying to get downhill to my right hand. Uh, coach called a, called a play to clear out that side. and uh, Malik's man came over to help. I mean, Quaz man came over to help him, Malik, and that left Qua open on the opposite side. So, yeah, he hit it. Uh, he sure did. Here's Quadir, by the way, on the energy he brings to the table, what he does for this team. Here you know, I just play with a lot of energy and a lot of heart at the end of the day. I got too much pride to let anybody, you know, just get off on me or do a move or that. I got too much heart and pride for that. And like I said, I play too hard. So at the end of the day, it don't really matter who I match up with. 
coach know that. I told him whoever you, whoever doing good or whoever put me on that guy, let you guard whoever else, let you figure out, get the offense together on offense. I worry about what we got to do on defense. And I just, and as you see at the end, I was guarding Nigel Pack. Then at one point I was guarding Wilbur. And at one point I was guarding Cleveland. So at the end of the day, it don't matter height, none of that. You know, I'm a player. I'm a hooper. So. By the way, uh, what a connection in that Judah and Quadir are roommates. They are best friends. For them to have that moment, uh, no matter what they do uh, together in the rest of their Syracuse basketball career, they can always say, I dish to you on a last-second shot. And what's a better feeling than that? You know who was in the locker room? I saw Tyus Battle, who was at the game, and had a chance to catch up with him briefly. And I said, you know, you've hit a shot like that or two in your life. Is there a better feeling than that? He had a loud laugh and shook his head. He said, no way. There is nothing better than hitting a shot like that. I talked to Jerry McNamara about that a little bit, too. You'll see a story on that on Syracuse.com on Sunday. A little plug for something you'll be seeing that you can check out on Sunday. These guys have hit big shots. And now you add Quadier to that list, who's hit a big shot in his career. And J.J. Starling. What was his view of that big coach was saying that we shouldn't go to score until, you know, there was three seconds on the clock. And um, that's what we did. It was was great. You know, Judah came off the screen. They helped. Um, He he had his eyes up on the rim and also on his teammates. And he found the open guy and Quadri knocked it down. So great win. One more from J.J. on what the difference is in his game has been, particularly offensively in these last two Um, Honestly, just my confidence and, um, you know, just me trusting the work I put in every day. Um, Same with my teammates. You know, they're they're helping me build my confidence, especially today. They they gave me open shots, and I didn't really have to do too much. So all credit goes to them, Um, you know, especially Judah. He made some really good plays for us. He had 13 assists. So, um, you know, it was a great team win today. Take me in that huddle before Roger hit that (laughs) shot. Oh, sorry to tease you there. Uh, that was the clip I played right before that. So you did hear what he said about that, but you heard the laugh and just like, man, can't believe uh, that play and the way it rounded out there. Let's hear from our Syracuse Sports Insiders, and we would love for you to join the club today. We welcomed uh, quite a few new members into our club this week, and we love to have you guys. And the texters were going crazy. Uh, had some texters that were at the game, said hello to a few of you again today, texting you from the student section, from all different places, uh, giving me some tips on some things you guys were seeing out there today, including a little football note that we'll discuss here uh, towards the end of the uh, postgame show. Become a Syracuse Sports Insider today. You text me, I text you. It's that simple. You are part of a group that gets breaking news first, that gets my insight first, the dialogue back and forth during the games, what you guys are seeing during games, opinions, questions, just stuff you want to know. It's awesome to be a Syracuse Sports Insider. It's growing into 2024, and we're only going to make it bigger and better. Here's how you do it. Just text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. And you get all those benefits that we mentioned and more. Locker room reaction. Our uh, Syracuse Sports Insider has got some of those quotes you heard first right out of the locker room. It's been great. We would love for you to be a part of it. And you get featured on this postgame show and the Syracuse Sports Podcast as well. David Kay is going to lead us off today. Classic game. Props to Miami. Shot after shot. Play after play from both teams at the end. Five minutes for the ages. Yeah, we went over that sequence just a couple of minutes ago. And uh, sports.
right? That's why you watch the games, man. When you see a terrific sequence like that, two heavyweight fighters punching back and forth, and Quadier got the knockout shot in. Randy says, hey, give Syracuse a ton of credit. I really felt Miami had control of the game for about 35 minutes, but Syracuse kept them from pulling away and was a better team at the end of the game. Randy adds this. But if you had told me Copeland making a game-winning shot was on your bingo card, then I give you serious credit. L-O-L. And it's what Autry was talking about. Don't let control the runs. Miami never got a huge lead, even though it felt like they were in control of the game. They had their way with Syracuse in the paint. That interior defense was awful in the first half, but Syracuse balanced it out with some threes. But Miami just never could quite wheelie put their foot on Syracuse's throat despite having the success that they did. The Orange only had, let me check the numbers here, another big thing for Syracuse, only eight turnovers on the day. It felt like more than that. It felt like Miami was more of in control of the game, as noted here a moment ago, but you only turn the ball over eight times. Miami's not a particularly good defensive team. Miami's one of the better offensive teams in the ACC. They're one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country, and today... Miami was 8 of 23 from three-point range. To think that Syracuse would outduel them from beyond the arc, this team the last two games from the three-point line has, has been incredible. The variety of guys hitting threes. Not as many in this game as we saw in the previous win for Syracuse over Pittsburgh, but again, Quadir, Quadir Copeland was the guy that hit the game-winning three. Though somebody did remind me on Twitter that – I did tweet this a couple days ago. Let me see if I can find it for you guys. And this was just a generic comment about Quadir Copeland and his three-point shooting. So I tweeted last game, Quadir Copeland isn't a threat from three points, but you don't cringe anymore when he takes it. An impressive buzzer beater there, you can tell he's working on it a lot. That was at the last game when he beat the shot clock for a three-pointer. And uh, lo and behold, set him up for a huge buzzer beater in this game john p says best dome atmosphere since the john gillen buzzer beater been a long time so we've seen days like that that malik blown deflection woke the team up as they were very lackluster until then want to welcome a new syracuse sports insider red hmm red coach autry are you a Syracuse sports insider? Uh, crazy call by Autry. Let's talk about himself in that case. It is not Coach Autry, by the way, but uh, that'd be cool if you'd come on board, Coach Autry. We'd love to have you. Crazy call on the last defensive possession to put Cuff in there for Bell, who was clearly frustrated. Never would have seen that in the Bayheim years. Undefeated at home. And Red adds this. Big shout-out to Mr. Devendor for stepping up to the big leagues, calling the game on ESPN2. He was unbiased and so much better than some of the other hacks calling games out there. A lot of you texted me this during the game. So Eric Devendorf has called games for the ACC Network, for ACC Network Extra, but this was his first call-up to the big leagues. He did the game with fellow Syracuse alum Kevin Brown. I didn't watch the game. I was at the Dome, but so many of you texted to say how good of a job Eric Devendorf was doing on the color commentary, which doesn't surprise me. I've had the chance to interview Devo a lot. We did a, a radio pregame show together for a couple of years. Devo is somebody, maybe this was his kind of breakthrough moment, and ESPN will give him some more opportunities. He's really good, and I got to tell you this. From my experience prior, and you guys said this, because here's the thing. This isn't just a bunch of Syracuse fans that are like, yeah, Devo, let's go. No, you guys are honest about the color commentators, whether they're Syracuse alums or not. 
And the feedback that I was getting from a lot of you today was something along the lines of he's good, he's teaching me things, he's unbiased, he can be critical of Syracuse. Thanks to Devo, by the way, I heard he dropped the free throws matter. And on the broadcast, shout out to my guy there. I think this was our reward for having to deal with Jay Williams doing that Syracuse-Duke game and how awful he was on the color commentary. So that was our full circle reward moment there. So sounds like Devo did a great job. So many of you uh, texted in to say that. Keep it going here from our Syracuse Sports Insiders, including Jacob, who says, Starling kept Syracuse in the game for a long stretch. That's two in a row and three of four that he's been great. Cuse is a different team when he plays like this. From Al, who notes a few things. Good stroke from Q. Malik was big, getting that last inbounds pass. He does the little things. Bell, rotten defense, but you need that stroke out there. Unthinkable how many assists Judah can get if he's patient. And I think that's been the word the last two games. Judah has been patient. He's been smart. I got an email from somebody who was just kind of ripping me apart for saying that Judah played a smart game in Syracuse's last win. Judah doesn't have to be an offensive presence to play smart, to know when not to force it, right? Only eight turnovers in this game overall for this team. He wasn't turning the ball over. He wasn't forcing it. He ran the offense today. There are days Judah is the offense, and there are days you run the offense. Today, 13 assists. I think it kind of speaks for itself, and we mentioned it a little earlier. He's hitting the boards as well. Lacey, how's your boyfriend, Lacey? We know he's a West Virginia fan, but that's okay. You know that Copeland is my favorite player, but I was so nervous when he got that ball in three-point land for a last-second shot for the win. My man delivered. Lacey, we were all nervous about that, but it was open. That was the shot. And I played one clip from Quadir. Going to hear a couple more things from him tomorrow in one of the, a new feature I'm doing on Syracuse.com called Overheard in the Locker Room. Like he mentioned it, and a couple of the other players mentioned it. Quadir's been doing that in practice. So we talked earlier about these kind of games that you can't prepare for these things. But you can prepare for moments, for shots. You can run plays that when you're called upon, it's just second nature. So apparently Quadir has been doing this a lot in practice. Judah mentioned that. Got an opportunity in a game. Hits his only three of the game. And that's just not a guy that you're going to call on that. But I mentioned the tweet from the last game. The past few games, Quadir is more confident. Not the guy you call first to hit that shot, Right. But he's when he rounds out his three-point game, I mean, he's already been terrific for this team, and you can just kind of see the all-around presence that he is. Some people think he should start. I'm not really going to disagree with that at this point. I love the energy he brings off the bench, but, I mean, this guy is a, a – Judah's the leader, but he's a leader. And, man, once that three-point shot rounds into form, what a player. The energy, the charisma, the uh, – I mean, just you can rattle off a bunch of things that Quadir does. And today, bang, it's a game-winning shot. But, yeah, not the guy that you think you're going to set up for that play. A no, 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 yes moment for sure. A few more from our Syracuse Sports Insiders, including Claire, who says, so happy for Q. He seems like such a great guy and a team player. And kudos to Malik for another solid performance. Michael L. says, uh, Mintz, 13 assists, including the last one to Q, a great score, but this team needs him to facilitate open shooters on the perimeter. Now, Tampa Ron drops in an important point here. I saw some comments on Twitter from Q's football 
coaches and recruits. Super important to have this kind of crowd and win on a recruiting weekend. So, guys, there were a lot of football recruits at this game. It was a junior day. A lot of juniors in the Dome. And not only that, so they introduced a lot of the transfers that have come in. They brought them on the court during a timeout, and they were tossing T-shirts into the crowd. And amongst them was Kyle McCord, right? Kyle McCord had a boot on his right foot, which a bunch of our Syracuse Sports Insiders noticed and texted me. So from what I understand, guys, it's nothing to worry about. He, remember, he had some ankle injuries at Ohio State last year. I talked to one source of mine who said he's only going to have the boot on for a couple more weeks. He is going to be good to go for spring practice. I did uh, check with Syracuse. Uh, officially, they don't have any comment on the situation at this point. Their off-season weightlifting program started this week, right, which I don't think McCord was – there were some videos they put out. I didn't see him in any of those. But for those of you that saw the boot on his foot, I'm told it's nothing to be concerned about, just kind of getting over some injuries from last year. I don't know if he had a procedure or not. Sometimes you wear that boot after you have a surgery or some kind of procedure. I don't think that was the case with him. But uh, from what I'm being told at this point, it's it's nothing to worry about. But it still kind of jars you a little bit when you see your starting quarterback transfer brought in walking around the dome in a boot. So there's that. But there's also the point that Tampa Ron made in that, a lot of recruits in the building today. They saw an exciting game as his football staff is. So these are, you know, you're you're going down the pipeline a little bit recruiting. Transfers is one thing, but to make the inroads with the future, play, you know, the class of 2025 and 26 and beyond, and those recruits that will have Syracuse on their radar more than they have in recent years, right? So a number of guys were there, and they saw a heck of a show, and that was cool to bring out the transfers and – I didn't see the throw, but Mike Waters kind of elbowed me. He's like, somebody just made it up into the, into the third deck. And I joked around with Mike, and I'm like, well, that better be Kyle McCord. <laughs> if you, you, know, you want your quarterback to be able to get it up there. So uh, even some football nuggets in the midst of uh, one of the more exciting basketball moments for this team here in 2024. So great stuff there from our Syracuse Sports Insiders. And uh, there's a lot I did not get to. You guys were Really just, man, great stuff from you throughout the game, particularly after. I, I probably got about 20 texts in the 30 seconds after that shot went in from Quadir Copeland. And uh, what a day at the Dome. So that's a quad two win for Syracuse, given the circumstances of, of how quad wins work. They have been, I'll check the net rankings here as we speak, because Syracuse thought it had a quad one win in beating Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh fell below the threshold pretty quickly. And Pitt, I'll check where they are too while we're yapping about it here. But Oregon, remember Syracuse beat Oregon earlier this year, and that was a neutral site game. So in order to get credit for a quad one win, where are we here? NCAA net rankings. Uh, in order to get uh, here it is, a quad one win on a neutral site, it has to be between 1 and 50 in the net rankings. And Oregon was hovering around 50 all week. They were at 51. They were at 50. They're at 57. So that's no longer a quad one win. Pitt, as we mentioned, 
that was in range for a quad one. They're now 82. So that's just out of range. So Syracuse is really looking to pick up some quality wins here. And look, there's not a lot of ACC teams projected right now. We've got a long way to go here. There's well over a month to go in the season. Miami, by the way, at 63. So that's a quad two win for Syracuse. When you look at the bracketologies and you look at some of the projections, I had John Rothstein on the podcast earlier this week. He said there's more Mountain West teams projected to go to the tournament right now than the ACC. There are some bracketologies that only have two or three ACC teams getting in, which shows you the very thin margin for error that Syracuse has to pile up the quality wins to be in consideration for the tournament. So when you have Oregon right on the line of a quad one win, Pitt right on the line of a quad one win, when games like this come up, because you don't get a lot of credit for wins at home, quad two game at home, you got to put it in the bank. Syracuse has, so let's let's look ahead here, because this started a stretch of three straight at home, where as we mentioned, it's kind of interesting that both the Syracuse men's and women's basketball teams are undefeated at home. What a game, by the way. Speaking of women's basketball on Thursday, Deja Fair going off a record nine three-pointers for her, 31 points. Syracuse down by 18, comes back to win. Uh, The women's basketball squad also undefeated at home this year. The men's basketball team undefeated at home this year. So here's what you got ahead of you there in terms of kind of taking care of business. So Florida State is next... Let's see where Florida State is in the old net rankings here. Florida State is 88. So that's when we look at the old quad rankings here. Give me a sec, guys. Just doing a lot of stuff. See what I, I do for you? We're improvising. We're on the fly. It's live. Why not here? Where's my little handy dandy net ranking chart here? So... That would fall at this point into quad three range because it's a home game. So the way it works is home wins in net rankings between one and 30. That's a quad one home rank home games between 31 and 75 in the net ranking. That is quad two quad three is 76 to 160. So Florida state would fall under the quad three category. And then you get NC state coming in a week from today, next Saturday, Let's see where NC State is. And this is just today, by the way. Remember, the net rankings are a moving target. It changes daily based on a number of factors. North Carolina State. Let's see where they are. Oh, boy. My computer's not playing nice with me. Give me one sec here, guys. North Carolina State. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. NC State's 67 right now. So that would be a quad two win if it holds. Florida State would be quad three. But bottom line, look, this is a team that's just got to take care of business. They're developing as a team. This type of game where it they never let it get away from them. Look, they got buried in the paint, as we mentioned, but they didn't turn the ball over. Composure, down the stretch, tit for tat, back and forth. Credit to Autry for making that key defensive substitution, right? Because that kind of bruises your ego. If you're Chris Bell, George is just blowing by him every time. Couldn't guard him. Put in Kyle Cuff. 
but but Chris Bell, as Autry made a point in post game to point out, still helped this team win, right? Autry makes it a point to go through everybody and you get on the court. This is how you helped us win today. He does that in a lot of his press conferences. So this team grew up today. We keep saying how young this team is. When do they grow up? Like this is that time of the schedule where freshmen become sophomores, sophomores become juniors. There's a lot of sophomores out there right now, but are they all kind of becoming juniors before our very eyes at this point? It's these type of wins these type of games and these type of moments where you do grow up a little bit as a team. So we'll see what the orange can do in these next couple of home games, but they banked this one today against Miami. I want to give a special shout out here on the post game show before we end to legendary sports writer, hall of fame sports writer, one of the best writers to ever cover baseball in the history of baseball sports writing. And that's saying a lot given the history of that sport Jason Stark had a chance to uh, catch up with Jason before the game. He came up, he said hello to myself and, and Mike Waters and Donna DeToda. And uh, Stark had uh, some of his kids go to Syracuse, big Syracuse fan. He watches this show. And uh, we loved talking baseball and catching up with Jason Stark at the Dome today. So a special shout out to him. And I uh, had some uh, fun conversations with him about a little baseball, a little hot stove. And uh, how my Red Sox, uh, let's just say, did not exactly um, do their job when it came to some. I like some of the moves they made, but not exactly what I think they needed to do. They weren't completely quiet in the offseason, but this is not a baseball show. But shout out to Jason, who uh, we love catching up with today, and we know uh, watches the show and listens. Yeah, he's a Q's fan. Okay, what do you say we end it there for this edition of Syracuse Basketball Postgame? Thanks to Mike Waters. Thanks to all the players that spoke with me in the locker room. Thanks to our Syracuse Sports Insiders for your great feedback throughout the game, throughout the week, and setting up the podcasts and all your great opinions and thoughts. Let's keep that rolling. And now we take a deep breath and we get ready for the Buffalo Bills to advance to the AFC Championship game with their impending victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, guys. Stay warm out there. A lot of you watching wherever you are today in the frigid temperatures. Probably not our friend Mark in San Diego, who's always sending me pictures from the beach. But uh, stay warm out there. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you so much for hanging with us here today. Please subscribe on Spotify, Apple, YouTube. So if you miss Syracuse Basketball Postgame Live, you can always watch it or listen on demand whenever you want. Thanks to our friends at Krause Health, the official healthcare partner for SU Athletics. We'll catch you next time, guys. The Orange Takedown, Miami. On a buzzer beater, 72-63.